0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Blessed Saturday to everyone out there. Blessed Lent, as Lent was just kicked off this past Wednesday with Ash Wednesday, though, of course, we've been preparing here on the channel for a long time, going all the way back to the very beginning of the season of Septuagesima, uh, which is why we've been rocking the purple for a long time. Tonight, though... In addition to our typical conversations that we usually have, we are also going to talk about quantum mania, mania, mania. Potentially having the worst ever weekend one to weekend two box office drop domestic in history. Now, this is something that it seems to be kind of this this ever-going and ever-growing gag, right? It's I feel like I, I've mentioned this now a few times this past year of having record-breaking losses for Disney, especially when it comes to their Marvel films and the week one to week two drops, since Marvel, especially the last several years, has really had all of their films be incredibly front-loaded, whether it's the $450 million that was made by Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, which then saw a massive, what, 68% drop? And now this film... Projected to drop anywhere from 70 to 72 percent domestic. The big question mark, of course, is what kind of drop off are we going to see international? We are going to see this film easily pass 300 million dollars, probably get close to 350, and I still think that 500 million dollars is on the table. But we, of course, will have official breakdowns of what I project the film to make based off of historical standards. Tomorrow for the Box Office Breakdown, and we'll talk about that and also some other films, too. We are live streaming on YouTube, Odyssey, and Rumble. Also should be on Twitter as well. Um, And, yeah, welcome to episode... uh, Let's see, where are we with this one? I usually have it up, yes. Uh, 416, episode 416 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast and again, lots of things to talk about tonight. Before going any further, though, please make sure to smash that like button, lap that fire button if you're watching over on Odyssey. Smash the r- 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 Rumble button as well. And thank you again for joining along for the ride. King Game Rumski hanging out over on Rumble saying, that Ant-Man box office is really shrinking fast, eh? It certainly seems to be. Uh, when you compare this to the previous Ant-Man films, it is not looking good on those dailies. And we'll talk about that. There's just a lot of really bad signs for the movie, Going forward, not to mention the film lost to Cocaine Bear on its Friday. Now, granted, the Friday numbers for Cocaine Bear include its Thursday opening. However, a film like a Marvel MCU movie, right, an MCU film, even in the second weekend of its release, should not be losing to a film like Cocaine Bear on a Friday. (laughs) Even with those Thursday numbers, even with the Thursday numbers coming into it. My guess is that Saturday, and this is something that I've had to mention to a couple people in my comment section, people don't recognize that when you have massive drop-offs Friday to Friday, that is not the entirety of the story, because Saturdays are notorious for being rebounds for especially big-budget films. I suspect Ant-Man will see a bit of a rebound uh, this uh, this day, and I think it's going to end up winning this weekend, but when you are basically having cocaine bear of all films, really just scratching at your doorstep in your second week of release in the midst of having, again, a record drop from week one to week two domestically, from week one to week two. It's just, again, really, really sad to see the current state of where the MCU is because I remember back in the day, it's been a long time when MCU used to be the thing to be, right? used to be the, the thing to go see, and now it's, hey, they've got their MCU stands who will show up opening weekend, sometimes in droves, like what we saw in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Sometimes not, like what we saw with Ant-Man, where it just cracked $100 million uh, domestically and didn't really make all that much worldwide compared to the other films that I've mentioned. And now we're seeing this, again, inevitable and consistent decline, too. And I think that this is absolutely spelling a lot of danger for Disney and for MCU going forward, especially since Disney's having a lot of other issues in many other areas. Anyway, let's see. Uh, Sasa, Sasa Mattis over on YouTube was here early at 5 o'clock. Well, thank you very much. Says, second for Cocaine Bear was really fun movie. I've heard some mixed things about it. Orange Hour Views was a mod on the channel. Thank you very much for getting the word out early. Very much appreciate that. Also, thank you for reminding me to get Heimdall up and running early, and he is indeed up and running. JGittyBuck76 says, Like button smashed. I'll never watch Ant Person 3, even if it was for free. And you know what? I would absolutely tell you, yeah, don't. (laughs) It is not worth your time. It is incredibly boring, and it's just not good. The story is just very uh, roughshod, is very haphazardly put together, the CGI is just atrocious. I'm so happy that there have been these new images leaked. Not leaked, really, but these new images released. And I think they've been official releases, too, of the character of Modoc, Because it's about as cringe as you see. I think I thought I saw Father Christopher merely Hail to you, Father. I see you in the live chat. I think I saw you say, wait, really? Wait, is this real? Yeah. It's as bad as it looks. In fact, it's comically bad. No pun intended. But it is so bad that it's quite hilarious just how far they have fallen. Keely Chow hanging out over on YouTube. What is going on? Everyone over here is doing just fine. Kimberly G, what is going on? Thanks for being here. Loco Miguel in the chat. Lance Mala, what's going on? I was able to catch a little bit of, what was the last pay-per-view? I have Peacock because I've been wanting to watch it. And I'm now into season three of Yellowstone. And despite my issues with some of the you know, when it comes to modern Hollywood and modern TV shows where they feel the need to have all the over sexual you know, the over sexualization of, of the shows themselves. Like, I, I just can't stand that nonsense. It's just it's just too much for me. Uh, so other than that though, the show is pretty good. I think that the characters are pretty well developed. And also i think <laughs> I've actually even been able to make references to it. Uh, for my class, when I, you know, teaching teaching religion, teaching morality, right? Uh, and the concepts of Catholic social teaching too, right? Or the concepts that are laid out in the show and uh, basically trying to, you know, the, with the concept of private property, is it something that's absolute or are there limitations based off of the fact that all of us are made in the image of God and therefore all of us have a right to land, right? Not to each other's land, but a right to own something, right? We have a right to private property itself, Um, And so it's been interesting to have those discussions. But because I do have Peacock, I was able to watch a little bit of, uh, was it Elimination Chamber was the last one? I just don't get it. I don't understand why people are still watching it, to be perfectly honest. I mean, the main event was about the only thing I could think of that was somewhat interesting. And it ended up ending the exact way that it was expected to, right? Even with the, the storyline that was trying to be played out on screen, I don't know. I'm just so tired of it. The fact that you have a guy like Roman Reigns who can't wrestle his way out of a paper bag, having been champion for, like, what, 900 days? That's that's just, like, abysmal. Uh, we over on Odyssey, hanging out. What's going on, We? Thanks for being here. Throno 5 over on Rumble tag to say, I don't know about the rest of America, but where I'm at, the movie theaters still think it's 2020 and COVID rules are turning people off. Um... Wait, what? Really? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what it is. I guess I I mean, like, talking about the films themselves were made to be released earlier, and so they're dated. I would say that's actually not probably the case. I think, honestly, it comes down to the films themselves just not being good, just not being well-written, just not being well-produced, and really just a lot of terrible CG effects, And you all know, I'm a stickler when it comes to CG effects. There's very few films that I've praised for the CGI work. The one that I can think of that, especially for its budget, like especially for the fact that it costs about $40 million to make, Love and Monsters. If you want to talk about good use of CGI effects, effective use of CGI effects, look to that film right there. If you want to look to a more modern film that had especially a low budget and also wasn't a terrible film to boot, Compare that CGI to any of the CGI of any of the big Marvel films costing 200-plus million dollars, and you're thinking to yourself, what are y'all doing? You're just throwing away money for computer programming. That does not look real at all, and in fact makes things look so artificial, it takes away from any sense of any stakes whatsoever. It's it's ridiculous. Uh, Sherry Allen, what's going on? The Hidden B23. Hail to you. Thanks for being here. Uh, Great Wuda in the chat. What's going on, Great Wuda? Thank you very much for being here. We got Father Christopher Miller saying, "Ahoy, ahoy, Father!" Thank you very much for being here. Thanks for being a member on the channel. And also, please make sure, just like Great Wuda, uh, if you have a comment or question, no matter what platform you are on, just put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment. At Odin, let's me know you're trying to get my attention. Unless, of course, you are a YouTube member, as that is one of the perks of being a member is that you don't have to put the at Odin. Though I do appreciate it. it let's me know that you're not talking to somebody else. We have Gus over on the chat. What's going on, Gus? We got Laura, the Modern Major General story. What is going on? Laura, thanks for being here. Mod on the channel as well. And the Modern Major General, of course, Abomination hanging out over on Odyssey. He is the mod over on the Odyssey channel. Keep it in the very few people who watch over there in line, but I appreciate it nonetheless. Uh, Laura, thank you very much for showing up uh, to to watch the Salty Saturday stream this morning. We had a lot of fun. Half a million cookies, she says. Master of Gaming, what's going on? Bruce in the chat. Cthulhu, what is going on? Hail to you. Yeah, couldn't happen to a nicer company, right? Couldn't happen to a nicer company. We'll, we'll go ahead and jump into the numbers in just a second. Khan Lives, what is going on? Omaha, 16. Disney Marvel on the decline, indeed. And it's nice to see that. Father Chris Miller says, Have you seen the coca- co- cocaine bear Funkos I want? Well, it's funny because, you know, some of my students, they they know that I, I love movies and they know that I review films. And so they asked me, like, what were my thoughts about Cocaine Bear? Had I seen it? What did I, you know, what did I think about it? And it led us down a rabbit hole. And this was like in between classes where we just looked up the real story. So essentially, the movie is about 1% real uh, because it is based off of a story where there was indeed a 175% pounds which is just boggles my mind 175 pounds of cocaine was actually dropped from a plane because they needed to reduce the weight this was a former cartel officer who was I guess corrupted and was uh, became a part of the cartel himself became a smuggler but they must have had low altitude or something so that dropped 175 pounds of cocaine a bear found it ate it and then they only know this because three months after this event they found the bear dead. And the bear is actually on display in a museum somewhere in Kentucky. I think it's actually in the Louisville area, if I'm not mistaken, Bruce. Um, And it's just called Cocaine Bear. And so, of course, all of the the students are like, I want to go there. Yeah, the rest of the movie looks just, again, obviously we knew most of it was just going to be completely made up. But it's interesting how much liberty they took with the story, seeing how little information they really honestly had. Father says, one Funko is a bear eating a bag of Coke. The other is a bear with a severed human leg. Well, dang. That is, uh, that's quite insane there. Gary Banjo Sandwich, happy Saturday to you. Thank you for being here. By the way, Gary Banjo, hope you got my email. Uh I took care of you with the uh, issue, uh, with the regions of the Blu-ray that you want. Uh Jake 76 what's up Rob D? To say hello Odin I watched the menu this week. Thought it was pretty good. I love the cheeseburger scene. My least favorite thing about the film was honestly Anya Taylor-Joy. What? How is she your least favorite part? She's a phenomenal actress and her character is very intriguing and 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 the the journey that her character goes on especially and when you find out more about who she is and what she's going through and there's that great back and forth between her and Ray Fine's character where it's like this world's all about, you know, people who give and people who take. Right? You don't seem like a taker. Um, I, I thought it was great. Again, I love the whole film, but I, I loved her. I thought she was great. Let's see. Over on Rumble, King Ramshki Taddy say, I hear Cocaine Bear was quite a trip. That's what I've heard too. Apocalypse uh, says, Hail, hail to you. Jacques Lesoie, what's going on over on Odyssey saying, It's a sad state of the MCU that Only The only entertaining thing about their movie is the fallout and not the content. I just can't wait for the Marvels. I mean, if the Marvels ever even gets released, obviously it's going to. But the fact that they pushed that film back so many times, and they moved it from a prime summer slot in July to November, that tells me quite a bit as far as the confidence level that they must have in that film. I would not be surprised if they pushed that back to December, Or maybe even into next year based on what we're seeing. Especially once these numbers come out for Quantum Mania, Mania, Mania. Do not be surprised if you start to see some movement in their schedule once again. They need to start to rethink some things. I think they've already realized that. But I think they're going to start to realize, oh, it's even worse than we thought it was. And we already thought it was going to be pretty bad. Yeah, Cocaine Bear. Of all the films, Cocaine Bear. Uh, Laura says, unfortunately, I'm zero and two for movies this year because my low-budget Angie McDowell movie was a bust too sad. Oh, man. I'm sorry to hear that. Lance Mala, did you see the link I sent um, I did, I have not watched it yet, though, I just don't have, uh, I just, again, time is just, also, my time that I do have has just been consumed playing Hogwarts Legacy, and I'm just not ashamed, it's just been a lot of fun. <laughs> Culture Casino, what's going on, brother? Hail to you, Soul Assassin in the chat, artistically incredible, what's going on, welcome. All right, let's see. Magnus Magnuson, what's going on? Hail to you. A field trip to see Cocaine Bear has more educational value than a lot of my high school lessons. (laughs) I imagine that it has a lot more value than the vast majority of current public school lessons, if I had to guess. High school lessons more so than than lower school. But Bat Gimp in the chat also. And uh, let's see. Laura also says, I forgot to mention that in the menu, all the bad people are facing the kitchen. The enablers have their back to the kitchen. Ooh, that's a very, very interesting point. I like that. There's just a lot of layers. I know that uh, the Salty Nerds did a breakdown, did a review of it. I need to watch it because, um, because I, actually, because of you. You, you said it, uh, that it was very good. And also some of the things you mentioned, I was like, ooh, I want to know more about that. Let's see, Apocalypse tagged over on Rumble saying, if Mania flops, which is what is likely going to happen, if it keeps up like this, what are the chances of Guardians of Galaxy 3 making a billion dollars at the box office? Well, I've never been one to think that it is. I know that there are some people who have it in their mind that the film is just automatically, because it's a Guardians movie, because it's a James Gunn film, that it's just going to do it. I just don't see that happening. I really don't. And it mainly comes down to the state of the MCU, and also just the fact that in the franchise... The first Guardians was great, and I think that's the reason why Guardians 2 did so well, because people said, oh, if we get more of that, that's going to be great. But then we got Guardians 2, and it wasn't very good. I know some people say it's okay, some people defend it, but ultimately it was just a meh. I've never rewatched it, I've never wanted to rewatch it, and I'm probably never, ever going to rewatch it my entire life. Guardians 1, that's one that my wife and I really like. That's one that we will probably, at some point in the future, watch again, once every few years, right? Guardians two though never is never ever going to be on that same level. So, again, I think that it is, uh, you know, I, I still think the film is having a pretty good chance of of making money, right? And I wouldn't be surprised if eight to nine million, eight to nine hundred million is in the cards for uh, for that film for Guardians three. But a billion, I just think I, I think it might be too far out. I might I think it might be too far out. Let's see. Uh, we got a $5 uh, uh, super chat from Cthulhu. We'll read this, and then we will jump into the news, looking at some uh, looking at some of the stories and breaking down the numbers. Cthulhu says, heard that Captain America 4 had their writers all replaced recently. Thank you for holding your religion to reverence. Hey, well, thank you, Cthulhu. I appreciate that very much, and wouldn't surprise me. Uh, again, it just sounds like there's nonstop chaos. It, it sounds like nonstop chaos behind the scenes. For um, for everything that the MCU is doing, it for everything that Disney is doing, right? And we've seen this going back quite a while, you know, quite a ways. We we saw it especially early on with Star Wars, and then after it really hit the you know the rubber hit the road in 2017 with the Last Jedi. I know some people saw the signs earlier than that in the Force Awakens, but most people saw it at least back when the Last Jedi came out. You look to that, and then you also then look to how the MCU fared around the same time. And you notice that there is this clear trajectory of running out of the people that kept things going for as long as they did, especially for the MCU, right? A lot of reliance upon other people with better ideas. And then you start to see just this complete downward trek. And then I think that COVID, as terrible as it was as far as lockdowns and stuff like that, I think that the one real benefit to COVID, a couple benefits, is one it made us more aware right of what hollywood was doing of just the nonsense that they were willing to push especially since most of the same people same most of the same elitist who were making these films were the same ones trying to preach to the regular everyday person to you know to do their part and to you know mask up and all this other non like all this other craziness And so I think it helped to expose that, just like it helped expose teachers as well, right? People were able to actually sit in on their students' classes and hear the kind of crap they were being taught. And I think that, again, there's definitely something that without COVID, I don't know if that would have ever been exposed, if that ever would have been, you know, if that ever would have been found out. So, yeah. But anyway, let's go ahead and dive into our first story um, and talk about... (laughs) Ant-Man and the Wasp, Mania, As the headline from Deadline says, our boy Tony, Mania worst drop for a Marvel movie. Cocaine Bear, very high on 21 million. And Jesus Revolution praises 14 plus million. As it says here, Marvel movie is losing gravity in its second week at Top of the Box Office with Mania clocking the worst second frame drop ever for an MCU title at 70 to 72%. That's while two lower budgeted—that's just okay. Hold on, that's while two lower budgeted releases outstrip their projections. Not just lower budgeted, by an insane degree. We're talking about like fifty million, like minus fifty million, minus I think thirty million less, thirty million or less for both Cocaine Bear and also Jesus Revolution. It says uh, Cocaine Bear is budgeted in the low thirties. Revolution, Jesus Revolution, for fifteen million. Man's at two hundred million. That's not just a lower budgeted. That's like insinuating, well, it's a slightly lower budget. No, no, no. It's night and day, the amount of budget spent on Quantum Media versus the very small amount of money spent on Cocaine Bear and Jesus Revolution. We're talking Universal Elizabeth Banks directed movie Cocaine Bear and Lion Gates Kingdom Story Company Faith-based title, Jesus Revolution, which respectively opened at 21.2 million, uh, which had the original projection in the high teens, and an estimated 14.5 million, first projection at the high single digits. That's for cocaine bear and Jesus Revolution, respectively. Both are great results in regards to their production cost. These those tepid audience exits and B Cinema Score are certainly impacting. No, it's not. Shut up. Stop using cinema score. De- deadline. I know that I know that you, I know that your shills, I know that y'all are just all over the place, and I've been calling y'all out for years. But seriously, stop using cinema score as any type of valid metric. They do not release their data. They do not give you any actual data other than the score. And you just have to take them at their word. They don't tell you what theaters they went to, what cities they're in, or anything like that. And all of that can impact the kind of person who's going to see the movie and the kind of person they're talking to to give an actual thought and reaction. It's ridiculous. Anyway, uh, the second weekend drop for Ant-Man 3 beats that of Ang Lee's Hulk. So they're actually including stuff that's outside of the MCU here. 69.7, 69.7. Black Widow's 67.8, which was shackled by a theatrical day-and-date release. Oh, again, please stop using that same excuse. That film still just didn't do well in any degree. Thor: 11 Thunders 67.7 as well. The movie is expected to do 30 to 32 million this weekend. One could say, hey, Mar- Mar- hey, Marvel got to make them better. But the Ant-Man 3quel saw the best opening ever, and the severe plummet here indicates front-loaded business. That said, there's no want to see for repeat viewing. Okay, so here they again are playing cover, right? It says, one could say, make them better. But then it goes on to try to excuse that by saying, well, it had the best opening over the entire franchise. And we've already poked the holes in that, saying, yeah, but when you adjust for inflation, and then you take into account that the average ticket price for all three films are vastly different... The amount of tickets being sold for this movie, especially with an extra $70 million budget for this film compared to the other two movies, yeah. I'm sorry, yes, you absolutely can and should say, make them better, Deadline. Stop trying to throw a Again, you're like, oh, well, it's having the biggest drop ever, but it's not because the movie's bad, okay? It just doesn't have repeat viewing, okay? Just shut your mouth. Seriously. And it's like, oh, by the way, yeah, you're using the same uh, CinemaScore saying, oh, despite a B minus from CinemaScore, that's why you shouldn't use it. It's a complete garbage system. <sighs> anyway, but as it says here, the studio one, Cocaine Bear beat out Ant Man. Cocaine Bear made eight point six to Ant Man 3's eight point three million dollar. Very good results. Let's hope nobody gets too grossed out by all those bl- <laughs> body parts tonight which is when a horror film either buckles or over-indexes. And again, interesting how they're trying to say, oh, it could be bad news for Cocaine Bear, while trying to say, oh, it's actually not all that bad. Drives me nuts. Let's look at the actual numbers. So, remember that Box Office Pro was not projecting this kind of a drop. They were thinking more about a 64% drop. Clearly, that's no longer the case, right? Their high-end projection, or this this was the middle of their range, 386 their total range was 35 to 43. So now we're looking, it's actually closer to 30 to 35 million. And probably it will end up being closer to that 30 if when if all is said and done. And not a 64% drop, but instead, which is already be high enough. But again, a 70 to 72% drop according to deadline. So not a friendly source, or sorry, a very friendly source to... Disney to Marvel to the point where they even throw in this stupid line saying, Well, yeah, you could say make them better, but you know, it had the biggest opening of it. The shut up, leaving context out is so incredibly important. Deadline, anyway. Let's go ahead and look at some comparisons here. So, Ant Man versus Ant Man versus Ant Man. So, the 2015 one, when you're just for inflation, budget was around 141 million, Ant Man the Wasp 130 million. Ant-Man and man and Mania is projected to have cost $200 million. So you're looking at a 60 to $70 million increase. We've already broken down the ticket sales, right? Because that, adjusted for inflation, this is using also a later or an earlier quarter from 2022. When you make it this past quarter, when you bring it even to December of 2022 or January 2023 you realize, actually, this actually jumps up to, like, $90 million. This jumps up to, like, $70 million. So, yeah, it's the highest grossing, but then also, average ticket price for this movie is already a lot higher than average ticket price for this movie, which is already a lot higher than average ticket. So if you're looking at the film, it's actually selling probably the same amount of tickets. But the only difference, really, is that the audience has changed. Back in 2015, when the first Ant-Man film came out, it was mostly comic fans. It was mostly comic fans or people who were at least comic adjacent fans who were going out to see it. Even even as late as 2015, right? Even though the MCU had been around for a while at this point, you still had a lot of comic fans that were still hanging on back at that time. Now, it's all MCU. I I would say it's got to be what? 80% MCU stands, 90% MCU stands, maybe 10, 15% are actually like comic fans going back to, you know, actual old school comics and not the new age stuff and new age crap that we keep hearing about. But the reason why I bring up this comparison is because look at these dailies, all right? So Ant-Man the Wasp Quantumania, right? Made $8.3 million on its Friday. Look at the week numbers, all right? First Monday, it made 14. Again, it was a holiday. Don't forget that. What happens on a non-holiday? It loses... To Ant Man and the Wasp, 7 to 10, also loses to the first Ant-Man, 7 to 8.5, and then keeps losing 3.8 to 5.8 to 5.5, 3.7 to 5.3 to 5.1, 8.3 to 8.4, and then it beats out second Friday numbers for Ant-Man, the original. But this is not good. Again, trying to argue and trying to say, oh, look at look at the big opening weekend this has in comparison to all the others. It was so disingenuous. And I remember calling this out last weekend. And the numbers are now showing that. The numbers are now showing that. Again, this movie lost to Cocaine Bear. Look at that Friday to Friday drop. An 82% drop Friday to Friday. Now remember, Friday to Friday is not the end all be all. Some people have run with this number in the past. And even though it's going to be bad, and even Deadline is is saying, you know, by the end of the weekend, it's going to be closer to 70% drop. That's still really bad. And then when Cocaine Bear of All Films in it's opening is beating an MCU's second weekend, oh, that's that's abysmal. That is downright abysmal. Not to mention, look at the per theater ratio here. Even though Jesus Revolution made less, it made about $1,000 more per theater. That tells you the current state of where Ant-Man the Wasp is at this point in time. By the way, it would not be a box office video, and it would not be me unless I did mention this. As you all know, I've been also covering the long-term Avatar box office. So as you see, we've reached the end of the numbers.com's coverage. So as you can see, Top Gun Maverick still easily edging it out, 655 to 660 versus the 10th Thursday, uh, Thursday numbers. So as you can see, this is the reason why I think Ultimately, Top Gun Maverick is going to end up being the highest grossing. If you actually look at the, the, the numbers here, the movie was at 657.4 on its 71st day. And then on its 71st day, is at $661 million. So I do think that ultimately, uh, this weekend or next weekend, you're going to see... Actually, next week, probably, Top Gun Maverick will have passed it up. I just wanted to mention that because some people might have been interested in that. But it makes me happy to know, hey... All the Avatar fans out there, guess what? You can keep your a hey, worldwide highest grossing movie of 2022. That's fine. Domestic King, Top Gun Maverick. And I think that's where I'm going to uh to leave that discussion. What say you? Let's head back over into the chats. Again, thank you all for being here today. Let's see. Over on over on Rumble, uh King Rumsky says Care to wage a pineapple pizza that guards the galaxy makes a billion dollars? I've already got a pineapple pizza bet going, and so to me, it just wouldn't be worth making that bet because the whole purpose of the Mario Brothers bet is because it's going to be a, a huge event, you know, if and when that happens. I still hold by both that I don't think either will make a billion though. Let's see. Apocalypse says, what are your current box office predictions for the Marvels? I think it's going to flop or be a small minuscule success, less than even Thor, Love, and Thunder, in my opinion. No more Infinity War, Endgame, etc. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think that that's probably probably a a fair assessment. I would not be surprised at all if we were to see the numbers for the Marvels coming in, actually, for opening weekend worldwide. uh, Thor, Love, and Thunder made about $300 opening i think uh black panther made 350 worldwide opening nowhere close to the 450 that uh that doctor strange made i I think that those days might actually be done unless they're able to turn things around somehow so for the marvels coming out in november especially with all the stuff that's been going on with that movie yeah i i i would say that the film is in a lot of trouble there's no way it's going to make a billion dollars at least according to the numbers, and at least from the assessment I can make right now, I would say the chance of that film making a billion based on how many times they've delayed it is very unlikely. As far as profitability is concerned, it's going to be in the same boat as probably every MCU film that will come out for the you know foreseeable future, because all of them have these bloated budgets of 200-plus million dollars, right? all of them have the bloated budgets, and then the money they make back Sometimes they're able to make it so that they're like Thor, Love, and Thunder where they make their money back, they make a little bit of profit, but really not a whole lot. Or they're like what we saw with Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, where they're able to make a little bit more than what Thor, Love, and Thunder made, but still also not make really a whole lot of profit compared to the amount of money they invested in the movie in the first place. So I would say they're in trouble. I would say they're in trouble. Just like with Ant-Man. The one last thing too to say about Ant-Man is... Based on the fact that the film cost $200 million. Again, I still think based on these numbers, the chances of, of it getting to $500 million, which is what I have written down as its break-even point based on just the historical standards that I've been using for years now. Um, I think that that is definitely on the cards and on the table. But what's funny, I think I mentioned this in the last stream, is that, or maybe, maybe I mentioned it on Friday Night Tights, I forget when, but what is being talked about and was given so much praise and, and so much hype as being the highest grossing of the Ant-Man franchise has a very good chance of being the lowest grossing of the entire franchise too. Interesting how that works, right? You have the largest opening weekend, but because that's all MCU stands who will show up to anything that says MCU on it. Normies, old fans, right? The fans that were bringing in, helping bring in the billion plus dollars and uh, the insane profit margins, right? When they were spending less money on it too. Most, a lot of those people are gone. If you look at just to the raw ticket sales themselves, it's it's just, it's not even close. All right, back into the YouTube chat again. If you have a comment or question, put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment, at Odin. If you have a comment or question that you want read aloud. If if you don't, then I I will not read it. And again, I don't think that's asking for a lot. Just to put at Odin. Gary Banjo Sandwich, no problem at all, man. Brightburn85, what's going on, good sir? It says, do you think Bad Boys 4 will have a hard time getting box office dollars? Because I don't know if people are willing to forgive and forget. Well, I've never watched any of the Bad Boys movies. So I, I would probably say there must be some audience for it. Maybe. Again, I don't know much about Bad Boys box office history because I just don't care. <laughs> Talk about franchises that I have no care for whatsoever. That'd be one of them. Uh, J.S. Pena, ahoy! What's going on? Scott McKenzie, who's a member. Hail to you. Alice McCarthy, what's going on? He says, howdy, Odin. Uh, still dealing with these headaches. Hopefully, we'll know something about them in early March. Another listening day, unfortunately. I hope you heal up quick, man. Robert, he says, "Ozzy, going by Chris Pratt in Thor Love and Thunder. Does he even still want to be Star-Lord and be a part of the MCU? Um, somebody tells me he probably does because it probably pays pretty well. I'm not saying he's all about the money, but most of these people are to a certain degree because it's a job, you know, it's not like he's acting because it's a vocation. You know, we can have the conversation about people who are getting paid, but are doing work where they're not getting paid a whole lot. I think there are still some good teachers out there that I would throw into that category. Um, but when it comes to actors, it's like, ultimately in order to get into acting, there is a level of selfishness that is in there. So I would say, yeah, he probably does, because he's probably getting paid a decent penny for it. Let's see. Mighty Orbis, what's going on? Keck44, what's going on? Lance Mala says, Have you heard the latest on the new alleged Star Wars movie? With the tandem of Rey and Grogu, do you think they can reignite strong interest in merchandise and the franchise? Um, I didn't hear about that. It sounds like a typical rumor that I don't put a lot of faith in. I don't know, (laughs) that's the first I've ever heard about that, actually. Um, But if they went that route, you can find, here's the thing, here's the problem that they don't recognize. Grogu, or I still call him Baby Thor. And guess what? That's the thing. Most people still call him Baby Thor. Why? Because most people who know anything about Baby Thor probably have not actually watched the show. They've only watched clips of the show, and it's only of baby, it's 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 only of Baby Yoda. Maybe I said Baby Thor, but I meant Baby Yoda. So I call him Baby Yoda still. I call him Baby Yoda. And it's because that is how everyone typically, or most of the vast majority of people, have talked about him and have mentioned him previously. And so I would not be surprised at all if Baby Yoda is able to create some success as far as merchandise. But that's not going to result in ticket sales. Because, again, the people who are obsessed with Baby Yoda are not the same people who are watching the show. Some of them are. There are some. I'm not saying that it's no one. But let's let's just be honest for our, with ourselves, please. Awesome Diaz, What's going on? Thanks for being here. Ivan, what's going on? Do, 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 do. Scott McKenzie, who is a member, says, I used to rewatch all the Marvel movies up to the next one. Will catch the first night for an opening. Have not done that in a while. Zero interested in D minus uh, Marvel shows and movies. Hope they go broke. Me too. I do too. Or at the very least, it gets taken over by someone who actually knows what they're doing. Scott McKenzie says, we're going to see Jesus' Revolution tomorrow. I have no real interest in it, to be perfectly honest. It just looks like another one of these generic, you know, higher production value than previous Christian movies. But just still the same generic. Christian story. I'm 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 kind of over those. Uh Orange air Reviews says, why does Modoc from Ant Man look like Ryan Canal? <laughs> Master Gaming says, unlike Charlie's Angels 2019, Cocaine Bear will make money for Elizabeth Banks, probably. And actually, unlike Charlie's Angels 2019, uh, she didn't write this one. So I think ultimately it's because she didn't write this one that led to <laughs> uh that led to this one actually. Looking like it'd be fun. Because Lord knows it's not her. Physics channel with Kenny Lee. What is going on? Dan Crane or is a member. Says, hail and Lent is here. Blessings to all. Blessings to you. Absolutely. Hail to you and blessed Lent. Let's see. Over on Rumble. King Karen Rumski says, I heard Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is going to be out of this world. Yeah, I'm sure that they are going to do everything they can to try to push that film to the sky, right? They're going to try and make that film seem so big. But guess what? They try the same thing with Ant-Man. And Ant-Man, I would say, is seeing a very similar trajectory as Guardians, right? So you have the first Guardians, and it's really, really good. People enjoy it. People end up going to see it. And you know, people generally have a very good view of it. Ant-Man, same thing. Difference, of course, is... I'm not saying at all that Guardians and Ant-Man are on the same level. I think Guardians 1 is far superior. What I mean is that they both had a solid start, one more than another. But then in their sequels, they both fell off quite a bit, right? And I would say that this is actually where it's worse for a film like Guardians because I think the drop-off was a lot more steep. Because it was already so high, the mediocrity of Volume 2 was just so, again basic, that it was actually a massive drop. Whereas for Ant-Man, it was good, but it wasn't as great and there was a drop-off with Ant-Man and the Wasp. And now you see Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which is complete garbage, and though I don't honestly think that the film is going to be garbage, Guardians 3, at this point, based on what I have seen, the chances of it being garbage are actually a lot higher. Just because of the natural progression of the MCU, the progression of James Gunn as a filmmaker. I mean, let's be honest. He hasn't really made anything worth note since the first Guardians. I can't think of a single film that was actually really, really good. Some people might have enjoyed the films that he did, but all the films that I've seen have either been mediocre or have been just downright garbage. So I think that ultimately Guardians 3, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. It going to be very interesting to see. See, Abomination over on Odyssey says, what might be a better trend is the number of reviews. As useless as Rotten Tomatoes is, it shows 100,000 reviews for Ant-Man, 25,000 plus reviews for Ant-Man 2, and it would be interesting if the number of reviews for Ant-Man 3 even gets to 25,000. The issue, Abomination, is that 100,000 reviews since 2015. So you have a lot more years to build up to that number. And then you have, the same argument can be said for Ant Man two as well. And I'm not saying it's a bad metric, but I'm just saying it's not. It's it's got a very fatal flaw in in that very fact with the number of years. If someone was able to somehow track, okay, how many reviews did it have by week two, then you might have something to go on there. But even that is broken because it, because Rotten Tomatoes has become so broken. The Rotten Tomatoes of 2015 is not the Rotten Tomatoes of 2023. <laughs> Uh, Jacques Lesuave over on Odyssey says... Maybe normies will be completely oblivious. But you think Gunn's poor handling of DCU properties thus far will sour people on Guardians? That's the thing, right? Is I think you're going to see less people overall because they are like... Yeah, Guardians 2 wasn't all that great. I don't care. You're going to have people who are in the know saying... I don't like what James Gunn's doing. I'm out. And so the question is going to be how many people is that going to be? And is it going to be enough to result in the film being the lowest opener of the franchise when you just for inflation, or what have you. So, again, I, I honestly think the film will be successful. I, I don't think it's going to be in the same situation that Ant-Man's in. Ant-Man's in the situation where it could theoretically lose money. And I know that uh, Valiant Renegade would say it is definitely going to lose money, because I know that his break-even point for the film is $600 million, and if he thinks that that's not going to happen, I would say, yeah, I think there's a good chance of the film getting to $500 million itself is already going to be kind of a bit of a <laughs> a goal based off of the numbers that we're seeing, uh, a high estimate goal. Um, and for me and for my charting, that would make it break even, make a little bit of cash. But ultimately, I don't think Guardians is in the same boat. I think Guardians is probably a guaranteed, even if it's bad, probably a guarantee because of just how much of a much higher IP value it has versus the Ant-Man IP. Because of the higher value IP, I would say it's a minimum six fifty. And when you're at a minimum six fifty, if you have a mediocre film, that puts you at seven fifty plus. If it's a great film, I think that puts you at eight fifty plus. But I don't think it puts any. I don't think it puts the film in any way to to a billion dollars. I just don't see it. All right, back over into the YouTube chat. We got Bryant Barth in the chat. Hail to you. Gad, okay, if you have a comment or question, please put at Odin at the very beginning of your comments. let lets me know you're trying to get my attention. Let me have a little bit of water. CPU Geek, what's going on? Welcome. Uh, Laura, yes, indeed. Reminder to put at Odin at the very beginning. Helps me out a lot. Neil, what's going on? Welcome. J.S. you trying to say, what are your thoughts on Lent? Personally, I'm not a big fan, although I'm not exactly good at being a Catholic. I love it. Uh, It's one of my favorite seasons of the year because it's a season where you are uh, challenged, more so than ever before. It's also one that is is always it always makes me much more self-aware because it makes me think, why am I waiting until now to make these changes? Why am I waiting until now to to bring on these challenges? You know, why don't you know, why is it that my brain and why is it that I why have I allowed basically society to train me? to view life in a certain way where it's like, I have to have a certain date in order to do something race, basically. And I don't like that. I mean, obviously it's good that it exists because all of us need to have that wake up call and reminder. But then there's also that, that self-criticism that comes along with it saying, you know, why do I have to wait until now? But, uh, but yeah, I love it. It has been definitely a tough first week though. I will say that much because I'm, I'm doing fasting and abstaining from meat Uh, In ways that I have not previously done before. And it's definitely not as bad as I thought it was going to be. But there have been some moments that it's been tough. Let's see. Rob D. I honestly think they could have ended the MCU at Avengers 2012. The heroes all finally came together and people were happy with it. Yeah. And even though there are issues that happen between that film and Infinity War. right? There's bad films in between. I do think Infinity War to me... ...is a great end point for... ...as far as before it went completely off the rails... ...we got up to Infinity War. Everything after Infinity War is just when it goes down the toilet. Uh Giant Rat, what's going on? Uh Sassi Mattis says... ...I think Guardians 3 is going to be Marvel's last chance at a billion dollar movie. I think by the time anything like Avengers comes back in... ...too much apathy will set in for those to be successful... I would say that, actually, I would agree with that assessment. Even though I don't think it's going to make a billion, as far as does it have a chance to, I would say yes. And again, I want just to clarify that, because some might say, wait, that doesn't make any sense. So if I was personally betting on it, I would say it's not going to make a billion. I don't think that it's going to happen. However, if you were to ask my current range of what do I think the film has a chance to make, for me, it's anywhere between 650 and a billion dollars that's very wide now once i start getting numbers in that's when my you know window starts to narrow uh, you know quite a bit but here are going to be things to look for uh that opening weekend worldwide keep in mind doctor strange opened to 450 million dollars worldwide ended up making 950 million by the end of its run saw a massive week one, week two drop and continue to drop off after. And you look at these other films, right? You look at then the massive drop off between that and Thor Love and Thunder, where it dropped off to roughly around $300 million opening worldwide and then went up a little bit for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever to about 350 You start to recognize that, okay, there's clearly a fluctuation point here. So basically what I'm meaning is that the film's going to have to make probably north of 350 opening and then have fair drops to have a chance at a billion dollars. If the film comes in at 300 to 350 million dollars and sees like a typical 60% plus drop from week one to week two, there's no chance or very little chance. But that, that's just my own thought. All righty. Let us see. Jeremy Zukowski, What's up? Says, I can't see how Disney would continue with the MCU. Well, because ultimately, all the films that came out this year, despite the fact that they are vastly lower than anything else they've ever done, the profit margins on every MCU film this year is just downright sad. It's 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 just downright despicable. And so it's it's still, though, profit margins. So they're still making money off of it. Right? They have not reached the point of what has happened to Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers has seen their films reach the point where they're losing money more times than they're making. Or at the very least, their margins of profit are not making up for their margins of loss. Disney has not reached that point yet. But look at what Warner Brothers is going through, right? Warner Brothers is throwing out things like Lord of the Rings, you know, remakes or you know movies set in the same universe. But you know, you know, obviously they have to, they also have to talk about that to keep the rights too. But it's probably also because of the financial situation. They're also talking about Harry Potter, uh, you know, re, you know, rehashing that, taking the success of Hogwarts Legacy and putting it into a show. They're talking about all these other things because they are in a lot of trouble. Disney is in trouble too but just not to the same degree. But I do not think it's going to be very long until that happens for Disney. Just look at the fact you had a film called Lightyear that lost $100 million, and then you had a Pixar film in Strange World lose $200 million. If anyone had asked you three years ago that a Disney-Pixar film would lose $200 million, they would have laughed in your face. But we've seen it happen. Giant Rat says, Do you think the new Lord of the Rings will be made for a modern audience? It depends on who they get. Because here's the thing. Even if they were to get even if they were to get Peter Jackson and the same people that did Lord of the Rings, guess what? That means you're getting the same people that also did the Hobbit. Lord of the Rings was fantastic. The Hobbit was not. So even if you have that as your dream scenario, remember that those are your options. Do you get the Lord of the Rings? Peter Jackson or do you get the Hobbit Peter Jackson one will help make potentially really good films to be remembered for years to come the other will make complete and other garbage so yeah do I think it's gonna be made for a modern audience it depends on who they get and ultimately I would be their bigger concern is are they are they gonna make a good movie or not John Evan bear says have you seen cocaine bear I've got to say, I was pretty disappointed because it was hardly funny. I've not seen it, and I've actually kind of heard that. I've heard mixed things. For some people say it's entertaining. I would not be surprised if I fall very similar into your feelings about it. Because even though it was not written by... Um, I'm I'm blaming on her name because, you know, she just... Elizabeth Banks. Even though it wasn't written by Elizabeth Banks, it was still directed by her, and I just don't think that she's funny. Artistically Incredible... Says, how do you think Deadpool three will do at the box office? So, if Deadpool three is rated R, which, based on what we're hearing, it sounds like is going to be the case. Also, there's always that there was already that very early promo that they're bringing back, you know, uh, Hugh Jackman out of retirement for uh, for Deadpool three. That alone is going to make the film profitable. But remember, it's a rated R film, so it. it likely won't make a billion dollars, but it's the kind of movie where it probably won't need to. So hopefully they're able to keep, you know, the reins in on whoever writing, whoever's writing that movie. Let's see. Neil says, do you think comic book movies are in their way out? I have a hunch we are in the, uh, the tail end. Something like video game movies or fantasy might pick up the slack. It depends. It really depends. I think ultimately you're seeing the death of the big budget. Um... The big budget superhero film. Because I do think there is a place for superhero films. They just have to be good. And not only do they have to be good, they have to they have to be made for an amount of money that is at the very least easily recoverable. Uh, Laura says, Speaking of slapping, I watched some of The Big Sleep. Bogarts gets to slap everyone. What a great film. That's nice. I corrected myself almost immediately... Thank you very much. Brightburn985 says, Robert Downey Jr. looks great bald. If he were cast as Lex Luthor in Superman Legacy, or a sequel to Superman Legacy, I think Lex is like a prejudiced Tony Stark. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I think that he has, he has just embodied Tony Stark so much. I don't know if he can do anything else, really, at this point. Let's see. Over on Rumble, uh, let's see. Apocalypse says... What are your thoughts on online movie review, movie review websites like Rotten Tomatoes, CinemaScore, Metacritic, etc. in general? And which ones do you recommend or are they all bad? Alright, well, I already gave my thoughts today about CinemaScore. It's trash. It's a garbage system. Again, the only data they give you is a score. They don't tell you how many people they actually surveyed. They don't tell you what the range was. They don't tell you what major cities um, they they did their surveying in. Because here's the thing. If you were to survey a movie that was woke, and your main surveys were in LA, New York City, that's going to skew your result. Even if it's people that recognize the film isn't good, it's still going to skew it. Whereas if you have that same movie, but then you go to somewhere in West Virginia, in Oklahoma, and then get a survey of those people, right? Right. You might get some similar people because the chances of just a standard person in that state going to see a woke movie in general isn't likely. But what I'm trying to hopefully get at is it is very, very easy for those numbers and that score really to get skewed. So cinema score is just garbage based on principle. Rotten Tomatoes has always been garbage. It's just taken a long time for people to recognize it. You know, I I remember calling out Rotten Tomatoes early on because the, you know, the tomato meter score has been broken forever. Because people would always look to it and say, 95%, it must be amazing. It's like, no, 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 that just means 95% of people that submitted a review to Rotten Tomatoes clicked on a fresh score. When you actually look at, oh, what is the actual, you know, rating? It's usually like 10 points at least lower. So you might have a film that's at a 95% of Rotten Tomatoes, but then you look at it, what is it out of 10, and it's like at an 8%. And you're like, okay, that's a little bit different. That's a bit of a difference there. Which is actually why I'm glad you mentioned Metacritic, because Metacritic is probably the one I would recommend the most. IMDb is trash for a lot of reasons. I like the IMDb Top 250. It's a mostly solid list. It's not perfect. But if you want to know what are some of the best movies to watch, the IMDb Top 250 still typically has mostly good examples mostly good results but because of the fact that the user base of imdb can get so skewed on things it's it's not a very reliable source now metacritic's not perfect either but the reason why i do like metacritic over all the other ones is that for their critic reviews they actually will take reviews only if a score is given so some critics will give a review, but they won't give a letter grade score or number score. They don't include those people. So they will only include someone if they give it a score out of 5 out of 10 or if they give it a letter grade. And then they actually tell you, how do we get this score? And you can read their entire methodology where they'll tell you an A is given this value, a B is given this value. And they'll explain how they came up with their system. So I appreciate that a lot more. And actually, typically, their score, just their raw score, tends to match pretty closely what you find in the average reviews for those that give a numbered result. Uh, Even over on like Rotten Tomatoes or something like that. So I would recommend Metacritic for that reason. But Metacritic has its own problems too, right? Anything that has an audience score, the audience scores can always be skewed in some way or another. But I, again, do think that in general... It's a better metric to go by, especially after everything we know as a fact Rotten Tomatoes has done to play cover for play for, you know, for movies like Captain Marvel and for a lot of the things Disney has done. Um, And I remember covering that. I remember my second channel. I at one point had a live stream going showing how the score was changing for one of their films because they were literally deleting reviews. It's bad. Kinghan says, based on what I've heard, people are dying to see Deadpool 3. Yeah, I mean, again, Deadpool 1 versus Deadpool 2 sees a similar drop off in quality, I think, but Deadpool 2 is also still pretty funny. So I think that you definitely have a lot more excitement for a Deadpool 3, fan base wise, than you do for Guardians. The difference is that the Guardians fan base is bigger, if that makes sense. <laughs> Scott McKenzie says, on the Chris Pratt job comment, not only is it a paycheck, but also for all the people on his team, agent, assistant, etc. Exactly. Uh, Ben J. What's going on? Welcome. Uh, Let's see. Kimberly G. Says, I call him Baby Yoda as well. I don't like Grogu, but I'm done with Star Wars. I can see all Baby Yoda clips on YouTube (laughs) without watching the movies and shows. Exactly. Exactly. And I completely understand why. Baby Yoda is adorable. And I know that some people may not like Baby Yoda. I'm not saying that you have to like him. But he is objectively cute. But also, that does not mean that the show automatically becomes good either. And that's, again, why I think the vast majority of people who are fans are only fans because they just think Baby Yoda is cute and not because it has anything to do with the actual show itself. Anyway. All right, has jumped at me like it always does. Let us see anything going on over, on again. Shout out to my Odyssey and Rumble people. Smash like button, Live the fire button as well. Let's see. <laughs> uh, Cthulhu Ithulu tagged to say Michael Pena made Ant Man one, taking him out made the descent, rather made the descent faster. That's actually a very that's a good shout, Cthulhu. I almost forgot Michael Pena was in that movie, but he was a lot of fun. And also, if you think about it, just the general tone of the character changed, right? Because it was much more about the, you know, the cleverness of him as, you know, as a burglar, as a thief. Whereas in Ant Man Two and Ant Man Three, it's like, oh, you're just, oh, he's just an established person with a suit. Master Gaming says MCU since 2021 has less ticket sales than ever before. I'm not surprised at all. I thought people on Twitter were the majority, but I'm surprised that anti SJWs were the majority. Really, I, I think it's not even just less. <laughs> I, w- I would even say to say anti SJW is is kind of a. I would just say normal people, and I'm not surprised at all that normal people are in the majority. The problem is, is that normal people don't do things that could easily help their society. Uh, Tina B., what's going on? Hail to you. Thanks for being here. Again, uh, she's still struggling with some eye issues, so she can't see uh, the comments typically, uh, but I'm sure she can see the hearts and the love, and I'm sure she's already gone. Uh, but thank you for stopping by, Tina. hope that you are healing up quickly. Lance Mauler, are you planning on attending any of the Geeks and Gamers meetups this year? Um, if... Basically, Orlando is always on the table for me because the drive is not bad. It's about a seven-hour or so drive for me. So that's easily doable. I can do a weekend, even during the school year, and do a meetup on like a Saturday, and then just go to Mass and then head out uh, on Sunday to get back. So Orlando is always on the table. Um, Right now, I'm a pretty hard no on Vegas. I I just can't make that work because it's right during the middle of fourth quarter. So just logistically speaking, it doesn't work flight wise. It would be a nightmare. There's no way I could drive it um in any reasonable amount of time. So that's, that's definitely out. I think that we are probably going to, and again, I'm not trying to speak for anyone else, but I think that it was said that we were going to do Dallas again for the, the fan expo in Dallas. I think, and if we do that, that is on the table because that's over the summer. And um, even though that's definitely a longer drive, it's about 11 hours for me, it was still fun. So I think that I, I could probably make that work. So yeah, Orlando is always on the table for me, and um, I'd be open to Dallas. And if there's some other event planned for the summer in another location, I might forego Dallas and do the other location instead. If it's Typically for me, if it's within driving range, which for me is about 8 hours, 8 to 9 um And then, you know, really pushing it at 11, 10, 11, which is what Dallas is, then that's something that I'm willing to do. Anything more than that, if it's a two-day affair, or I'd have to make it a two-day affair, I physically just wouldn't be able to to, to make that happen. And I would really rather not have to deal with flights. I, I mean, I used to love flying, but after all the COVID nonsense, I just don't even want to have to deal with any of the TSA nonsense. Let's see, Laura says... I think MCU could have survived losing one of the main heroes, but losing two is too much. Plus most of the story is centered on Cap versus Iron Man. Yeah, not to mention, I mean, ultimately Iron Man was the big moneymaker. I mean, I, I mean, look at how quickly they put out those Iron Man films and just how much money, because it, and it wasn't even that they were great films. I mean, Iron Man 1 was great, but Iron Man 2 and 3? But it was because of Iron Man. It was because of Tony Stark. Uh, Let's see, Viking, Karkain, what's going on? I probably butchered that name, but welcome, hail. Uh, There is a uh, Discord for OMB reviews. If you check out the top link in the video description, you'll notice that there is a Discord symbol. Click on it, and it'll bring you into the Discord. Kimberly G. Uh, Scott McKenzie who's a member, says, if you have not answered this question in the chat yet... Are you doing any FNT Geeksy Gamers meetups meet or such this year for sure or any tentative? So, yeah, I think I already answered that one. So, again, if, if Dallas is once again on the table this year, I could probably make that work again um, because it's over the summer. And anything Orlando, if there ever is anything Orlando on a weekend during the school year and then anytime really over the summer then I could definitely make that work too. It'd be awesome if we could do some kind of meetup in, in the Orlando area again. Um, so that that's something that I probably will be able to, to do because it's a little bit easier to, to handle that drive. But yeah, nothing official yet. I have not committed to any of the, the meetups, at least the ones that I've heard of. Do-do-do-do-do-do. See people saying hello to Tina and sending their love in the chat. Thank you all again for showing that love. Rob D. says, Warner Brothers needs to hard reboot their company, never mind the DC Universe. That is a fact, Rob D. And Disney's getting to that point. Easily getting to that point. Bear says, Joker made a billion dollars and it was rated R. I never said that, so I hope that you didn't think that I was trying to imply that Deadpool couldn't make a billion dollars because it would be rated R. What I'm rather was trying to say is that having a rated having an R rating typically limits you. It's not universal, and Joker is a great example. Not only Joker is not just a great example of being rated R making a billion, it's a great example of being rated R and not releasing in China and making a billion. But that's what happens when you make a really well made movie. I know that everyone likes Joker. I do. I think it's a I think it's a brilliantly made movie. Um, Not to mention, its production budget was $55 million. It made 19.4 times its budget. As much money as Avatar's making, it ain't ain't anywhere close to 19.4 times its budget. That's for sure. But let me go ahead and pull up the, uh, the Deadpool films real quick. Just so that we have something to work with here. Because again, if it is rated R, which... I actually honestly think that a rated R Deadpool would actually, I think, would make more than a PG-13 one because the people who are going to see it want to see rated R Deadpool, right? But just to kind of give a little bit of context here, let's go ahead and and, uh, pull this chart up real quick. So as you can see, the first Deadpool, actually, when you adjust for inflation, and again, that little ticker is right up there, it made $820 million. Look at the second Deadpool. Deadpool 2 made less. It only made $791 million worldwide. So it actually lost audience domestically. It gained it internationally, lost it domestically. So this is the reason why. Yeah, uh, please feel free to time out Eaton in the live chat. Laura, thank you for giving the warning there. Yeah, do not spam in my chat. I can tolerate a lot of things. I love having conversations, but if you if you uh spam, I have no toleration for that. <laughs> so anyway, Deadpool 2 made less. So this is the reason why I think Deadpool 3's chances of making a billion dollars is not very good. All right? Because the first Deadpool, even when you desperate for inflation, was 828. As great as that movie was, it was still not enough to bring more people out to go see the second one. In fact, less people saw the second one. At at least, again, according to just the raw numbers here. Alright? And this is the reason why I think a billion dollars... I mean, this movie would have to make 200 million plus more than the last film, which was already less. You know? So... I think that ultimately the chances of Deadpool three being able to pull it off. It's possible, but just not likely again, it's possible, but not, but not likely. And the factor that could change it, of course, is having the return of Wolverine, right? If you had the, the fact that they've already very early on promoted that Hugh Jackman will be returning to the role. With that really fun ad with, with him and uh Ryan Reynolds, right? That is absolutely a brilliant marketing tactic, and that's going to turn some heads, right? The people they lost, they probably will gain back from that. But how much do they gain back? Uh that is really ultimately going to be the, the big question. Because again, Deadpool 2 was just not as good as Deadpool 1. So if Deadpool 3 is great, okay, you gain that number back, maybe you add on to it but look at how much you have to add on to it to get to a billion dollars. And I don't know, especially in the current day, whether there's going to be enough for that to happen. So, anyway. Uh, All right, Chaz jumped on me like it always does. Let's head back over to the alt tech platforms that I love to support. I think we've got some movement over on Rumble. Let's see. See, Apocalypse uh, says, just wanted to hear your thoughts on Jonathan Majors' performance as a variant of Kang the Conqueror. Was he good, bad, overrated? In my view, I think he was the highlight of the movie, but ultimately, and then it just stops there. So I, yeah. So my thoughts about it in general are this: I thought Jonathan Majors was fine. I don't think he gave a groundbreaking performance. I don't think he was amazing. I don't think he was bad, so I would say he was good. There are some people going after him saying that he gave a bad performance, but I just don't see that. He clearly has a control that shows the signs of a trained actor. And so, I think even when it comes to acting, there's still an objective and a subjective level, right? You can tell when someone can't act. And if anyone wants to say, acting isn't objective, oh, okay, watch the room. It's my greatest example of objective versus subjective because no one can ever refute it. The Room is an objectively terrible movie. Tommy Wiseau is an objectively bad actor. And yet, I love it, subjectively. Jonathan Majors is, objectively speaking, a good actor. He is good. He is good. He is well-trained. Now, I don't have knowledge of the comics to say whether or not he is fulfilling what Kang is supposed to be like. But that is, again, a subjective element. All I can tell you is that he did a great job in the role that he had. How he presented himself in the role, he showed himself to be an actor. And to have control over his emotions, to have control over um, his ability to be able to present a character on screen. So he gave a good performance. Groundbreaking? No. Could it have been better? Sure. Sure. Was it bad? Absolutely not. Anyone saying it was a bad performance? I think they're letting their their subjective nature get the better of them. Uh, let's see. Kikane Rumski over on Rumble said, Did you start Heimdall? Yes, I did. I did. Uh, Thron05 says, I st- But again, Heimdall only works on YouTube. Unfortunately, when it comes to all tech, I would love for there to be crossovers between Rumble and Odyssey when it comes to the stuff I'm able to do. Uh, But unfortunately, I can't. Uh, By the way, Orange Hour Reviews, thank you very much for taking care of that. I appreciate it. Um, Let's see. Thrawn05 says, I still think Disney missed an opportunity having Deadpool in the post-credits of Endgame showing up late to fight wearing Disney merchandise. (laughs) Oh, for sure. uh, Let's just say they missed a ton of opportunities with Deadpool. They messed that up big time. Dion, what's going on? been a long time, man. So happy to finally see you again. What's up, brother? Hail to you. Thank you again for joining. Uh, Jacques Lussoff over on Odyssey says, But would Kang have been better if played by Jennifer Lawrence? Well, clearly. Because Jennifer Lawrence started everything. She is the alpha and the omega when it comes to acting. And I would say some would even argue beyond that. So uh, the answer to that question is very easy. Yes, it would have been better had J-Law played it. It also would have been better because she then would have to do ultimately what oftentimes many crazy leftists do, which is wear blackface. <laughs> I'm just going to stop there. Still still is a true statement, but I'll stop there. <laughs> Looking at you, Trudeau, etc. cetera. Uh, Mike Healy, to say two questions regarding Paramount. How do you think the next Mission Impossible will do? Have you seen Picard Season 3? I have not seen Picard Season 1, 2, or 3. I'm not a Trekkie. I've seen DS9, and it was great. I committed myself to DS9, and I liked it a lot. And it definitely made me interested to check out other um, other eras of, of Trek. I have seen Next Gen to a certain degree. I think I've mentioned this previously before, but I'll mention it again. I used to do road trips a lot with my dad, and we would go camping in Colorado. And whenever we – this would be a a once-a-year thing for several years when we were younger because he worked a lot. And so this was his way of kind of making up for us to be able to spend time together. So it would be me and my brothers with him. And on the road trips, we would always stay at hotels. And this is back in the day before you had Wi-Fi, you know, back – you know, before you had all these other things that are, you know, not just a part of regular home life but are things that you would expect also to have in, like, a hotel – so the place that we would stay would typically be the old tube televisions that had maybe four or five channels. And so typically the only thing that was ever on whenever we would stop would be reruns of Next Gen. And so I watched several episodes of Next Gen just from that alone. But there's clearly also a lot of episodes I have not watched because I've never sat down and dedicated any time to watch it from beginning to end. I watched all of the S9 last summer. Made a lot of rosaries in the process, too. That's how I was able to justify it. So I might be able to do next-gen, maybe this summer. Um, but it really depends on what's going on. Because, obviously, every year is a little bit different. Especially uh, when it comes to family and, you know, life. Uh, Giant Rat says, Peter Jackson had to take over for another director. They did not write the script for the first half of the movie. They had to adapt. Uh, if you're talking about for the Hobbit movies, again, still... He was the one pushing for high frame rate technology, CG stuff. So I would not let him off the hook all that all that much. John Gerard says Guillermo del Toro was supposed to do The Hobbit yeah, again. As I said, I I still I, I still would not, you know, even though Jackson had to pick up the pieces, I still would not let him off the hook completely. And also too that also then means you have both Guillermo del Toro and Jackson who in their own rights are are very talented filmmakers both together making a terrible set of films and that may have also been true for the first movie but there were two other movies that followed anyway let us see you will never be able to get that now I don't know what the people are talking about anyway Yes, indeed. Never spam. No toleration whatsoever. All right, Hardwick. Based on Chris Gore's review of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, I don't think you'd like it. Probably not. And based on the fact that it was a Fathom event and is barely available, <laughs> I probably won't be able to see it. That's why it was in my it-could-be-fun list and not in my actual most most anticipated list. Orange Hat says, John the Majors is a great actor. I loved his performance in Devotion. Yeah, I haven't seen Devotion. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's you can clearly tell he's a trained actor. So... And that's a good thing. John Evan Bear. I swear I did not heat her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> Brilliant. Best performance of, of the decade. Mike Healy. How do you think Creed 3 will uh, do, especially with No Stallone? Well, the early numbers are out, and it's expected to top out at $100 million domestic at best. So, uh, seeing that, I don't think Creed is going to do much internationally, because I don't remember the other films doing much internationally, yeah, it's not looking good, to say the least. In fact, let's uh <laughs> let's let's go ahead and pull up those numbers. So yeah, the first creed 2015. Actually, let's let's uh do this right. Remember when there were people out there who said I never adjusted for inflation for any other films? People must have forgotten that anytime I've ever done these types of comparisons, I always click this. And I think I always mention. It just shows you that the people that were making those comments clearly don't watch <laughs> the channel. Anyway. Creed 1 versus Creed 2. So, budgets obviously increase. Opening weekend, 32 versus 35. Domestic, 119 versus 116. As you can see, it went down for the second film. They are saying right now, at least Box Office Pro in its early indications, is projecting the film to have a 29 to 35 million opening, 75 to 105 total domestic run. So, that's terrible. That means the film might cap out at, what, $200 internationally or less? And if they're going to increase the budget again too, that film could lose money. I'll have to wait and see what the budget is, but that's why I think that film could lose money. But yeah, not having Stallone, terrible idea. Because even the last film with Stallone still made less in the domestic market. It was able to increase its international footprint, but I don't think they're gonna be able to do that this time. Based on what we're seeing at least. Next time, it is not a time out, says Orange Hats. My axe is sharpened. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Let's see. Reset the cripple. The hobby comparison may not be as applicable as Peter Jackson was not the original direct. Again, I did bring up I did bring up why we can't let him off the hook completely. Harwick, do you think Karen Gillan genuinely doesn't know that the complaints about Nebula on the poster aren't about the pose or just pretending not to know in order to hide spoilers? Um, Based on her reaction, it seems genuine, but she's an actress, and she's a very good actress, so I I couldn't tell you whether she was being honest or not. It seems genuine, though. Old and Peculiar says, Hail, I'd suggest watching Star Trek original series before TNG. But then I grew up with the original series. Yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of people that would say that. Um, but again, in either case, it really depends on if I have the time. Uh, Dion on Rumble says, "Sorry, it's been a while." To be honest, for me, I've gotten disenchanted in scripted content. Been playing my Steam library, and of course, family keeping me busy. Oh, of course, family always comes first, man. And you never have to apologize. I just like I, like I like giving people a hard time. People give me a hard time. I like giving people a hard time. Yeah, I've been playing uh, Hogwarts Legacy. Recently, it's been fun. See, Harvey to say, my recommend for Star Trek viewing order is the original series, Star Trek Continues, original cast movies, next generation. And you see, I look to that and I think, if it takes me that much content to get to next gen, and I, from what I remember, liked the next gen that I did watch when I was younger, that's, that's just too much stuff to watch. Because again, I'm not a Trekkie. I, I like DS9, but... I didn't love it to the point of saying, I have to watch everything Trek now. So again, I, I like DS9 a lot. I would absolutely re, I would re-watch DS9, in fact. I liked it that much. And I like the characters a lot. Um, But I yeah, I just... There are some things that I can watch and enjoy the corniness of. And I think that we could all agree when it comes to original series Trek, corny is definitely something that comes to mind, at least for me um but and you all know right cuz we did the movie wa- we you know this is back when we used to do as movie nights when i had the time to do it and i think we watched both star trek the movie or star trek the motion picture and star trek 2 wrath of khan and i remember when i watched the first star trek motion picture i hated it i did not like it at all from the very beginning i was like oh my goodness we are spending so much time Looking at this ship, and it's it's a waste of time. Whereas Wrath of Khan was phenomenal. And I really liked it a lot. So, that ultimately also, I think, impacts these things. Uh, Eaton, Dude! Stop being a tool. Stop being a tool. Yeah, Orange Hat. Orange Hat hid you. And I I support his decision. Because the first time, it's like, hey, we get it. Sometimes you're excited about something. No problem. You do it a second time, and looking at the content of what you put in that message, yeah. Good call, Orange Hat. I got my mods back. They know how things roll here. They know how the chat rolls here. We are a fun-loving community. We are a... A humble and yet great community. I love I love Mazgarden community so much. But everyone knows how we roll here. The first and the fifth Trek movies are the weakest by far. The second and the sixth are the best, and the rest fall between. Yeah, I think isn't it Trek movies that fall into like the 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 even numbered ones are good, and then the odd number ones are not, or something like that. I remember one of the franchises having that that dynamic, and I know that not everyone goes by that, but. Um, Interesting nonetheless. Let's see. John Evan Bear says, I finished Next Gen and still haven't finished uh original series. I still enjoyed Next Gen despite this, so I recommend just jumping into it just to be a little more patient because it's a bit of a rocky at start. That's what I've heard. But the, here's the thing. DS9, same thing. Everyone's saying, all right, the first like five episodes you're going to hate and you're going to get to an episode that deals with... Uh, it was like the... Was it the gambling episode? Um... They like they were playing like the 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 gambling game with Ferengi. and I actually ended up enjoying that episode more than what I probably should, and that was the one I was being warned about. So I know what it's like to have to get into a series, um, but, but yeah, I, I've heard that about uh, next gen 2. That it also takes a while to get into the series too. Also, abomination. I know you're talking about something else, but you mentioned Scotty. Anyone love the fact that Scotty boy, Scotty boy Mendelssohn. I don't know if you recognize this or knew this. I think we've talked about it briefly before. So he used to be like the big and key box office person at Forbes. I don't know if he left or if he got fired, but now he's doing stuff for what the rap or something like that. And you're like, Oh my goodness. Cause I have not heard him. I have not heard his name. I've not seen his articles come up at all. Couldn't happen to a nicer man though. Scotty boy. Couldn't happen to a nicer man. THX, what's going on? Says met drinker today at Atlanta Comic Con. I forgot it was Atlanta Comic Con. I wouldn't have been able to go anyway because my wife hasn't been feeling very, very uh, good. She's been dealing with illness and sickness, and it's just been bad. Um, so I wouldn't have been able to go it anyway. But he says bought his new book signed with a "Go Away Now" tagline. Wish you were here. Oh man, THX, I'd, I'd forgotten about it. But you know what? Even if I had had remembered, it it wouldn't have worked out who says, Babylon 5 is a good second series to watch if you like DS9, especially with its positive re- religious into- intonations. P- people have told me that a lot. <laughs> the axe is swung. Hey, hail to you, brother. I support you. Harry right, says, Star Trek is generally considered to have good even numbered movies and bad odd numbered ones, but I personally think the third one is a- is quite good. Mike Healy says, Are you surprised Post-In-Boots is The Last Witch has got over $40 million. My seven-year-old loved it. Um, I'm not surprised after having watched it because there is definitely a lot of entertainment value to it. But I think that what you just said is the reason why. Because kids, I think, are really going to enjoy it. I actually didn't like it that much. I thought it was good. I thought it was fine. But it was not to the same level as like a Shrek where it's like an all-timer. You know, like one that I would go back to. One that's a classic that all different, you know. Not to say that you can't enjoy it if you're older. I'm just saying... It just doesn't have that same level that a a film like a Shrek would have, for instance. Um, Shrek 1, of course. But I think it's because kids really liked it a lot. And because of a positive word of mouth, probably because of that. Probably because you had a lot of families saying, Hey, I brought my kids to watch this movie and they loved it. You should bring your kids. That, I think, is probably what led that film to making so much more than its first two. Because that film broke the charts easily. Victor Fontaine says, you got it even better. Odd, not as good. Nice. Scotty doesn't know exactly. Uh, Robert Frey says, Scotty claims he doesn't review movies anymore. That was his whole career. His whole career was box office. What the heck is he doing now? Artistically Credible says, do you think The Passion of the Christ 2 will be successful as the first movie? Um, Okay, so artistically, I'm glad that you asked about that. and I will be having to wrap up soon, everybody because um, we are a few minutes out from the from the end of the show. So I'll try and get to as, as many of these last comments as I can. Um, but it's, again, it's complicated. If it is as good as the first one, then yes, and probably even more. If it is a huge step down and a huge disappointment, then, uh, then obviously I, I would say no. But hey, I like Mel Gibson. As a director, as an actor, I know he's gone through a lot of things in his personal life. There are a lot of things that, you know, he is, he's much more of a traditional Catholic, which much more aligns with with, with my own, uh, you know, the, the only, my own way of practicing my faith, right? Especially with his devotion to the Latin mass, the brown scapular, things like that. But ultimately, yeah, will he be able to pull it out again? Based on the fact he's able to, at this point from what we've heard, he's got Caviezel back. Caviezel was great. He, I think, has got a lot of the other actors who played some of the key figures in the life of Christ back too. So as long as he's able to get the money he needs to make it and is able to put together a very compelling story. Because there are so many things that he can do, right? He is. He's dealing with the resurrection. And from what we've been told, he's going to try to tackle what's called traditionally the harrowing of hell. So, in the creed, we say, and and again, in, our, in you know, a key tenet of, of Catholicism and and a, most Christian you know denominations is the understanding that Christ descended into, uh, what, you know, what the words are, descended into hell. What we mean by that, though, is what's called the harrowing of hell, which is the freeing of the just souls. Of the Old Testament. So freeing the souls of, of Adam and Eve, of Abraham, of Noah, etc., right? All those who died without the saving graces of baptism. And so just the way that they could, especially if you remember the first film, remember when Christ dies, one of the creepiest and coolest images from that movie is they go to the actress, and I love how they did that too. The actress that was playing Satan. So as an actress playing Satan, bald head, they made her look very ambiguous though. And it's, again, if they were to do that again too, I'm sure, not only would he be called anti-Semitic this time, he would probably also be called anti-trans, etc. Because one of the reasons why that portrayal of Satan worked as well as it did is because you look at it and you think, okay, I see the figure of a woman, however... This woman's being made to look masculine and the voice, for those that don't know, they ADR'd. It was a male voice that spoke the lines and it was meant to have your brain go, wait, something's not right here. It was to make Satan look other and feel other in every way and it worked perfectly. If they're able to recapture that too and just that, again, just think about that raw, just like screeching of Satan at the end. Think about that harrowing of hell. Spiritual battle. And there's also been rumors that they could also do like a flashback thing with the driving out of Satan by St. Michael the Archangel. If they're able to do that and do it effectively and not try to do too much, oh, it could be phenomenal. It could be fantastic. Uh, But anyway... Yeah, that got me excited because I really would love to have a, a second film made with just as much quality. Let's see, over on Rumble, Apocalypse says, what are your thoughts on the new The Batman spinoff show about The Penguin? It's made by HBO and should it be out by late 2023 24? I, he- I thought I heard like those things were not confirmed because they're kind of going through this phase of, of just... They're not making money, and so how are they going to be able to do it? In general, I'm okay with it because... Colin Farrell as the penguin was was the best part of the Batman. Dion says, for me, it was uh, Babylon 5 for my station based shows. Nice. Very cool. Laura says, O'Drinker has a great book called Dark Harvest. I wish he narrated the audiobook. It's quite good. Oh, he doesn't? Man. Harwick says, for me, uh, M4's Hobbit book edit fixes the Hobbit trilogy's issues so thoroughly including getting rid of digital look by adding grain that I consider a worthy companion to Lord of the Rings trilogy. I, I just, I can't see it. I can't see it. If you could send me a link in the discord to how to get that, I'd be willing to give it a shot, but I just don't see how you can fix it. Also, that reminds me, someone asked what I thought mission impossible. I think mission impossible will do very well. I think Tom Cruise is a very hot property right now. And I think people are just really wanting to see movies that are exhilarating, and I think people are gonna look at that and think, "Okay, I remember what I got with Top Gun: Maverick. I think I might get something similar here with Mission Impossible." So it would not surprise me to see that film do well and do better than expected. The right news, as Ricardo Maltabon, Wrath of Khan. He was perfect villain. DS Nine had the best series ending season of all Trek. Series. Oh yeah, so many great things in DS Nine. Dark Harvest by Will Jordan. Yeah. Let's see. Soul Assassin. Oh, by the way, Jester of Roanoke, what's going on? Welcome. Soul Assassin had to say, I just want to see a Mel Gibson Mad Max film where he's an older Max. That would be great. I would love that. Miss Martin Muses, hail to you. Thanks for being here. Hardwick says, he descended into shield, but not hell. Shield, uh, uh, again, Hardwick, 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 Hardwick. You don't need to explain that to me. I teach, I teach theology for a living. I teach theology, but I obviously don't need to go. I obviously don't want to necessarily go into as much detail on some of these streams because th- this is not specifically, in this episode especially, is not a, a theology-based show. Anyway, Osmodea says, Dante describes the Antichrist as made up of beautiful single parts uh, that are in disharmony. It must, be, uh, it must be that image he used. Some of that effect, I imagine. But anyway, that is going to be it. For me this evening, everybody, uh, because I think I'm getting whatever my wife has, so I'm getting a little stuffy myself. Uh, And so anyway, please, uh, if you're watching this after the fact, let me know in the comments section what your thoughts are on the Ant-Man box office or any of the other films we talked about. And I will be on the lookout for those and uh, dropping hearts on those comments and... uh, Interacting with as many as I possibly can. Be on the lookout tomorrow for a box office breakdown where we will finally see, okay, what is going to happen with this movie. Is Ant-Man actually going to make any money or is it going to be a flop? Is it going to get to 500 million or is it going to struggle to get that much? Well, of course, find out tomorrow. And so with all that being said, thank you again for being here. Also, thank you, Gary Banjo Sandwich Worthington for reminding me, please make sure you vote in the Wednesday Raven Awards because... The ballot will be closing in a couple of weeks. You only have a couple of weeks left to vote in this year's Raven Awards. It's my Oscars boycott. It's my Oscars boycott, and uh, we we so far have easily the most uh, votes in Raven Awards history, which has me very very happy. So far, two hundred and forty-two people have voted. For the best and worst of 2022. It's it's mostly film and uh, TV related. So I'll go ahead and post that link in all of the places. Some people it'll be clickable. Other places it might not be. But if you have not voted yet, go ahead and submit your vote. Because uh, it's a lot of fun. And we of course will have this open because the Oscars I believe... Let me go ahead and see if I can pull up my calendar real quick. So you have two weeks left. I think I'm going to close this out on March 10th. So Friday, March 10th. So that way I can get things ready for Sunday. The 12th, which I believe is when the Oscars are. I wouldn't know for sure because the whole reason we do it is mostly to boycott them. But if you've not voted yet, click on that link that I posted and put your votes in. And vote for the best and the worst of 2022. Find out who will be the best film. Of the year. Who will be the worst? I will say right now. There are some really great battles going on. Between the worst film of the year. There's a great battle going on. For lifetime achievement. There is a strong battle. For worst remake. Reboot etc. There is also a very fun battle. Going on. For. Or there is a lot of fun happening. With shill of the year. I will just put it that way. And uh, tons of other stuff. So, uh, just know, your vote Your vote does matter. There are some categories where there is a difference of just one or two votes. So, you could be the deciding vote in a category for the Raven Awards this year. So, click on that link and get your vote in and get ready to have a fun time in a couple weeks. So, anyway, with all that being said, thank you all for joining me this evening. It's been a ton of fun. Shout out to Laura and to Orange Chat for modding. I really do appreciate y'all stepping up and doing that. It really does mean the world to me. Uh, again, they volunteer their time uh, to do this. I know that Orange Hat, you're usually here. And Laura, I know you're usually here too. Uh, but just, again, keeping track of that just even a little bit more. I really do uh, appreciate that so, so very much. So thank you again for being here. You guys are all amazing and beautiful people. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your evening or blessed rest of your weekend. And, hey, tomorrow, first Sunday of Lent never too late. Whether you're Catholic or not, you can always do something. Whether it's giving something up that you should, or whether it's doing something extra, think about it. Anyway, you guys are all amazing. Have a wonderful rest of your day, everybody. And as always, God bless. And now for a huge special shout-out to all of my Patreon locals and Subscribestar members who are at the Keeper of the Bifrost level and above, starting off with Father Luca Illich, Garrett Searles, Chris from the 80s, who you can check out over on YouTube by the same name, Hymir Iri Hymason, Joe Horn, Jonathan Carney, Orange Hat Reviews, who you can check out at his YouTube channel by the same name as well, Laura, the Modern Major General's story, Rosetta Allen, who you can check out at her YouTube channel, Eagle Rider, and Miss Motton Muses, which goes by the same name, on YouTube, thank you all very much for supporting me over on Patreon, and also for my subscribe star peeps. We got Matt three one seven. Check out his Twitch channel by the same name, fast Reaction. Mister Roy, J the Beer Guru, and ZK Man, who can check out over at xtheboundaries.co. And a special shout out to the R. And also, lastly, to my Locals members, starting off with Miss Minnesota Hockey Fan, How About a Hockey Player, J.H. Schwalbach, Brett D90, and the amazing lawyer, Robert Barnes. Thank you all very much for supporting me for the month of February. You guys are all fantastic. If you want your name shouted out, access to exclusive podcasts and exclusive giveaways, check out the top link in the video description below. Anyway, you guys are all great. Have a wonderful rest of your day, everybody. And as always, God bless.